I want to thank Philip for uh, Philip for filling in uh, last Sunday while we were out seeing some family in Tennessee, uh, some portions of Jessica's family that we have not been able to see in a long while. But it is great to be back with you and back in the pulpit. I hope that last week you all were able to get one of these books. Uh, we are starting an Advent series that Philip kicked off for us. And if you got one of these books, you'll notice that the sermons that we're walking through right up to Christmas follow along with the very outline of this book. Last week, Philip preached from Colossians about how Jesus is the mighty God. This week, we will be looking at how he is the Prince of Peace. If you did not get one of these Advent devotional books, we still have a few left, but when they are gone, they're gone, and I'll see about getting you a PDF if you still really want one. We've got a small stack here, and there's a stack on the table out in the foyer. So I really encourage you to take that, use that as a devotion with your family. What we tend to do in the Southern American society is we brush right past Advent and jump to Christmas, right? Christmas is Jesus has come. Advent is we're waiting on Jesus. And so what happened for hundreds of years is they waited on Jesus. And so Advent is a season where just as they waited for Jesus's first arrival, we were reminded of how we are still waiting for Jesus's second arrival. And so we try our very best to do what we can to practice the mindfulness of Advent, of remembering that Jesus has come, but he is coming again. And I want to make sure you are all well aware I have my watch on, I have rolled up my sleeve, and I am aware of the time, but we will spend some time together in the word of the Lord this morning. So if you would, would you bow with me? Let's pray, and then we'll turn our attention to the word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you that your word is sufficient, that your word is true, that your word is powerful. And Father, we ask that in these moments to come, you, the great Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor, that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, I know full and well that I am an insufficient servant, but you are good and you are perfect. And so in spite of what I lack, would you preach to us this morning? Father, would you help us to grow closer to you? Would you help us, Father, to mature in our faith? Lord, help us to love you more deeply and more dearly as we hear your word. May it penetrate to the very core of who we are. Lord, we love you so very much. We ask that you would speak to us. And we, your children, sit humbly at your feet, waitful and hopeful, expecting for you to move among us, Spirit. Would you please speak to us now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. The Old Testament book of Isaiah. The book of Psalms is probably about the dead middle of your Bible. If you keep cruising towards the New Testament from the book of Psalms, you'll find Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Songs of Songs or Songs of Solomon. Just keep working your way through. You will get to the book of Isaiah. We will be in Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be reading seven verses. I'll read verses 1 through 7 
for us. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, I encourage you to borrow one from the back of the pew there that's in front of you. If you don't own your own copy of God's Word, please feel free to take one of those Bibles that's in the back of the pew in front of you as a gift from Bethany to you. We would love for you to have that. However you might be accessing the Word of the Lord, whether it's on the screens or on a phone or iPad or in a printed copy of the text, I would encourage you, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of public reading, out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word. As we look together at the book of Isaiah, I'll be reading chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. When I have completed this, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. If you are grateful for it, I encourage you to respond by saying thanks be to God. The word of the Lord says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to start off this morning by quoting a very famous song from a very famous movie. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there, but I guarantee you we're going to do what they say can't be done. Hang in there with me. I'm probably going to talk faster than normal, and I want you to buckle in, and I want you to hang on because this is good. I've been excited about this message all week long. We serve a God who is the Prince of Peace. And now there's two types of peace that the Bible talks about. Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, made peace for us and gives us peace. Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, made peace for us and gives us peace. So let's start by looking at how Jesus made peace for us. And it's all over this passage. We ourselves were, when we were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is at work right now in the sons of disobedience, those of us who were dead in our trespasses and sins, we were enemies of God. We were in a hostile relationship 
with God. We were rebels. We were traitors. We were sinners of the worst count. Not just those who've committed adultery, not just those who are drunkards, not just those who are drug addicts, not just those who do the quote-unquote bad sins, but you and me. If you don't believe in Jesus, you still are this person. We were traitors. We were treasonous. We deserved death. And by all accounts, God had a hostile relationship with us. We were his enemies. But Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, put an end to that war. That war is over for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what I love is the imagery that it gives in that verse right before verse 6. Verse 5, it says that all the boots of all the warriors, all the soldiers that are wearing their marching boots, we're going to take all the soldiers' boots, we're going to throw them on the bonfire because nobody will need them anymore. It says every garment that's been rolled in blood when wars were fought, it was a bloody mess. It was a terrible encounter, and blood was spilled all over the place. War is terrible now, but imagine when there are no guns. There's very little distance fighting. When you were at war, it was a close quarters combat. It was a bloody experience. And every garment that has been stained with blood, there's no need for that armor. There's no need for that blood-written clothing anymore. Throw it on the burn pile because no longer are we at war. Because there's been a time of peace declared. Here's what Jesus does for us. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Ephesians Chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. This is what Jesus did to make peace. This is why we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. 700 years before he was born, Isaiah prophesies that Jesus will come and he will be the Prince of Peace. After Jesus dies on the cross and rises from the dead, Paul writes in Ephesians, this is how he made peace. Beginning in verse 12. Remember, don't forget, remember that you were at the, that time separated from Christ. If you're not following Jesus right now, that time is still the present time for you. But for those of us who currently have faith in Jesus, who are striving to follow him, this is a former time. But don't forget that former time when we were separated from Christ. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers to the covenants of promise. We were having no hope. We had no hope. And we were without God in our world. But now, and I just, I love how many big butts there are in the Bible. It's just incredible how often scripture is going one way and all of a sudden there's this huge but. God did something different. But now, in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He himself, Jesus, is our peace. We were at war with God and God should have wiped us off the face of the planet. God should have unmade us and started over or just been completely contempt without any creation. But because of Jesus, because Jesus himself stood in the gap. Because Jesus became the peace treaty. He himself is our peace. He has made us both one 
And he has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. I mean, you thought it was a big deal when Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, right? I mean, that was a pretty big deal. East Germany, West Germany, communism, capitalism. Woo, the wall fell down. This is great. I look around and I see that so many of you are like me. I was born about the year that that was done. So maybe it wasn't as big a deal for you, but I want you to understand there was a wall of separation We could not get to God. There was a wall, a chasm that was unpassable. And Jesus broke down that wall in his flesh. He broke down that wall by dying. That's how Jesus brought us peace. He gave his life so that you and I could be at peace with God. And God's wrath wouldn't be poured out on us. It was poured out on him. And no matter what happens, that's the Christmas story. That's why Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Not only because he came as a little baby, but because in his flesh, he destroyed the dividing wall. There is no more hostility for those who are in Christ Jesus. As Romans 8 will tell us, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no wall of separation. There's no curtain. There's no nothing. Jesus tore it down and did it with his own flesh and blood for you and me. Jesus is our peace. He abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He put the hostility to death. He was hostile to the hostility and the hostility lost. In his own body, making us one, reconciling us to God. We were estranged. We weren't welcome in the house. And then our father saw us and reconciled with us and wrapped us in his arms. He came and preached peace to you who were far off. He preached peace to you who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father. So then... We are no longer strangers. We're no longer illegal aliens. We are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. Jesus made peace by taking those who were his enemies and not only making them his allies, but adopting them into his family. Can you imagine a bloody and terrible war? Think back to the Nazis welcoming a Nazi into your home, not only as an ally, but saying, now I consider you my cousin. You're welcome here anytime. Get anything out of the pantry that you need. Think about ISIS. They beheaded our Christian brothers and sisters on the shores of the Nile River. Think about those enemies to the gospel, making them not only allies, being in friendly trade relations. Peace is not just the absence of hostility. It is actual trade relationships, companionship and friendship. So going from enemies to allies to adopted children in the household of God. May we never get tired or bored of the fact that we should not have peace with God. And through Jesus, we do. Church, this is the gospel, and it is something that grows stale in our hearts and in our minds. We forget how we should be outcasts. We forget how horrible our existence should be. We forget that we do not deserve an existence. 
And we get so caught up in our day-to-day, and we get so caught up in the busyness of the season, we forget that Jesus is our peace. And that doesn't just mean that he gives us peace. He made peace. He took what was undoable, what was impossible, and made peace between God and ourselves. We're too busy or distracted to be in awe of the Prince of Peace. That's what was proclaimed. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. We sang about it. The sky opens up. There's these random shepherds hanging out in a field. And then there's this host of so many angels they can't even count them all. And what do they say? Suddenly there was an angel there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, all of them praising God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Jesus' birth is an announcement of a treaty that there's hope now that the wall can be torn down. And we're so busy focusing on, I'm just so stressed, I don't have any peace in my life. We've got peace with God. And that should give us peace. You see, the fact that Jesus made peace for us gives peace to us. Look at what Colossians says. This is part of what Philip read and preached for us last week. Colossians Chapter 1, verses 19 and 24. In Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Because there is peace, we can have peace. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. This is like a funeral passage, if ever there was a funeral passage. If you've been to a funeral lately, you've probably heard a preacher or somebody quote John 14. It's where we all go. You know why we go there? Because it's comforting. It's more comforting than anything else we can think of to know that Jesus has said, I'm going to go make a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions and I'm going to go there and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go there, I'll come back and I'll get you and I'll take you there to be with me so that where I am, you can always be. Why can we always be there? Because we're not enemies anymore. Because God's not hostile towards us anymore. Because there is peace. And so he goes to prepare a place. He promises to come back and take us to that place. And we will be with him always. And then in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. This is how Jesus gives us peace. He made peace on our behalf so that all those who have faith in him can have peace that he gives. He gives peace because no matter what's going on in our lives, we can remember that we have peace with God. And you might think, well, that seems silly. You're just saying the same thing with just a few different words. Yes, as a matter of fact, I am. You and I can have peace through the craziness of the holiday season because Jesus made peace for us. And we can remember that Jesus said, I'm going to leave my peace with you. What does that mean, Jesus? It means that I'm here with you. The Spirit's here with you. I went to prepare a place and I'm coming back to get you. So no matter what happens in this life, hold on to the hope that one day I'm coming back to get you. And when I come back to get you, I'm going to take you to the place I've prepared. And there we will be together always. So if you lose your job, 
even right here at Christmas. And you're wondering, how are we going to buy Christmas presents? I want you to know that's traumatic and there is work that we should be doing. There is help that we should be providing. We have to get off our rear ends and go look for a job. It's not like the peace that Jesus gives lets us sit down and not worry about that. But see, peace, as truly defined, is freedom from worry, anxiety, nervousness, trepidation about hostility, about the stress of life. Now, when you hear that word freedom, you might think, Okay, well, that means I ought not to worry, ought not to have fear, ought not to have stress. That's not what the definition means. The definition is freedom in the sense of being free from slavery. A slave who has been set free. We are no longer enslaved to our doubts, to our despair. We are no longer enslaved by our nervousness, by our anxiety. We are no longer enslaved and held captive in bondage, in chains, and tied to this desperation, to this depression, to this stress, to this anxiety. God has given us peace by making peace that looses those chains and frees us from captivity by stress, by all of these things that pile up on us so that if we lose our job, we have peace because we know ultimately Jesus is making a place for me. If I can't pay for my home, I got a home in heaven he's already building. And if my life is taken from me now, I will be with him always. It doesn't mean that you don't stress. It doesn't mean that you never worry. It doesn't mean that you're never afraid. But that's at the bedrock of who you are. There is peace knowing that that fear cannot conquer you. Knowing that that doubt does not own you. Knowing that that worry is not what owns your soul and mind. You can break free from that by the peace that God has given us in Jesus So when your finances don't add up and there's more money going out than there's money coming in, we can still have peace because Jesus gives us the assurance he's coming back and he's got a place for us because he broke down the wall of hostility and we can go to God. If you get diagnosed with cancer, of course you're going to be overwhelmed. Of course you're going to be filled with doubt and fear and struggle. But that doubt and fear and struggle does not have to lead to despair that ruins your life. Because at the bedrock of who you are, you've got peace in Jesus. Your children could be wayward and gone and out in the wilderness, living lives like you can't even believe, and you don't even know half the stuff that they're doing, and you're going, God, how am I supposed to have peace when I know that my kids are out there living like the devil? How am I supposed to have peace when I know that our country's going to hell in a handbasket? How am I supposed to have peace when everything around the world is unraveling before me? How am I supposed to have peace when my marriage is falling apart? How am I supposed to have peace when I don't know what's coming tomorrow? How am I supposed to have peace when I can't afford Christmas gifts? How am I supposed to have peace in the midst of the craziness of this world? My family's dying. My friends are leaving. I don't know what to do. How do I have peace? God's got a place For you in heaven. He has broken down the wall of hostility. There is no separation anymore. There is no condemnation. And no matter what the devil, our flesh, or this world can throw at us, it is untouchable for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. He is our peace. And if you want to know peace, you got to know Jesus. I know it's old. I know it's cliche. And I know it's the church sign. But put it up there for me, Chris. Know Jesus. Know peace. No Jesus, no peace. You want to know peace? You need to know Jesus. You don't know Jesus? You don't know peace. You don't know Jesus, this world's all there is. 
you don't know Jesus, then your weight is bearing up on you. I'm so overweight. What am I going to do? I got to get on a diet. I got to lose weight. No Jesus. No peace. I'll put on 20 pounds after Thanksgiving. No Jesus. No peace. He made peace. He gives peace. He is peace. You just don't understand. It's so crazy. This family can't get together now, and this family can't get together then. And if I put Uncle Joe in here with Aunt Sally, then they just go and fight and brawl. And this one wears a MAGA hat, and this one's as liberal as the day is long. This one's living an alternative lifestyle, and that one's the most conservative Christian who's got seven crosses on at all times. How's my family supposed to get together? There ain't going to be no peace. Well, if there's no Jesus, there's no peace. You know Jesus, you know peace. Because even if your family hates each other, even if they fuss and fight and a brawl breaks out at your Christmas get-together, guess what? Jesus still loves you. Jesus still got a place for you. Jesus still coming back for you. Jesus gave you peace. And he said, I don't care that you're struggling with Alzheimer's. I don't care that you're fighting cancer. I'm here with you. I'm not leaving your side. I'm holding your hand. I'm not giving up on you. And I'm going to be here with you every moment, every second. And when that day finally comes that it's time to go be with him, we can We don't get thrown into a fiery burning pit. We don't get annihilated. We don't get sent to be tortured for the rest of eternity. We get heaven. And if that doesn't give us peace, something is broken in our heart and in our soul. If you're walking through this holiday season and you have no peace, if I'm walking through this holiday season and I have no peace, i got no Jesus. Jesus made peace. Jesus gives peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Listen, whether you've been following Him your whole life, or whether you still don't know Him, I just want to ask this morning, would you know Jesus so that you could know peace? Could I introduce you to my Jesus so that you might know peace? You've got to understand, I'm the most rotten sinner that's out there, and He died for me. Paul used to persecute Christians. If ever there was an enemy, if ever there was an enemy, and he used Paul to write, what, over half of the New Testament. If you don't know Jesus, you're not going to know peace this holiday season. If you don't have your eyes on the horizon, waiting, expecting, hoping that Jesus will return, there will be no peace. Ultimate peace is only found in Jesus. He made peace. He gives peace. He is the Prince of Peace.